thank you for that. Let's turn our Bibles this evening to John chapter 1, if we can. Again, just wanted to say welcome to all of you who are guests of our church. Thanks for coming and being part of our, our service this evening. Um, we do have a gift for you, so if you are a guest, I'd like to give you something um, after the service. If you can see one of our ushers and greeters at the back there, we'd love to uh, give you a, just a, a gift for, for coming along this evening. And, um, I know that um, we don't take it for granted that you've taken the time to be with us to, uh, tonight. But John chapter 1 this evening, and you know, there's probably, probably thousands of places we can go to in Scripture regarding the, regarding the Easter story. And uh, tonight I just decided that we're going to focus a little bit on, on just the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. And, you know, there's much that we can and we ought to make about the Lord Jesus uh, during this time. And, and we learned a little bit, hopefully, tonight on, uh, through the reading of the scriptures and, and some, of the, some of the images there that uh, hopefully evoked some of the, 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 the timeline of things throughout the course of that fateful week. But you understand that the Lord Jesus, from the outset, he, he was on a mission. And the Lord Jesus, from the, the very beginnings of his earthly ministry, uh, we understand that he wasn't simply someone who was just a, another teacher, another rabbi. He wasn't just a good man. But there was something about the Lord that was different. And right here, right in the beginning, in, in the book of John, we... Uh, we're, we're introduced really to the main thought of the, the book of John and that's the, the deity of the Lord Jesus. The fact that he wasn't just a, a prophet, he wasn't just a teacher, he wasn't just a good man, but, but accordingly as the scriptures record for us, we see the very, very God himself in, in the very human form of the Lord Jesus. And, and we see him come and, and really that's the main the, the main thrust behind the book of John. And uh, interestingly, he starts off there with the description of in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then he quickly goes on and he speaks about another key, uh, key uh, character in the story of Jesus and that's John the Baptist. And, and we see just before our reading tonight that, uh, that John sees Jesus and announces Him to be the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world. There's a recognition immediately from John the Baptist after 400 years really of silence from God that suddenly there was going to be a change here of, of uh, God's dealing again with mankind and God Himself has come on earth and God Himself in the Lord Jesus is going to come and just uh, do something that n has never been done before and, and that's the saving of mankind. And John the Baptist, he fixes his gaze on the Lord Jesus and then he baptizes him. And then in the very next day, pick up the story with me in verse 35. And this is going to be the, our lesson tonight. And again, the next day after John stood, that's John the Baptist, and two of his disciples. And notice this again in verse 36. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, 
which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law, and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. And Nathanael answered and said, saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We want to thank you, Lord God, for the time we've got this evening in your word. And Father, I suppose there's, uh, there's, there's many places in your word that we could go to, but I believe that this is where we need to be tonight. And would ask that you would just, Lord, illuminate our hearts and our minds to the the many things that we can cover in this uh, portion of history, this story that we're going to cover this evening, and ask that you would please just work in our hearts. And I'm thankful, dear Lord, that from the very outset, Lord, your, your whole mission in, in your time here on earth was to seek those who are seeking you. And I pray that you'd help us, dear God, as we, Lord, just uh, can think about these things and ask for your enabling, for your power upon this evening, and ask that you would please just meet us at our point of need. And we love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And so this, this story unfolds, and as we were reading that, perhaps if you're familiar a little bit with Jesus, you, you, you're familiar with some of those names. And from the outset, we, we see some key figures in really the history of Jesus. We see the, John the Baptist, who was a great forerunner of Christ. He was foretold of, of old, of his position in that. We see those who were who would become uh, some key people in his ministry, those who were what we would call his disciples. And he comes onto the scene, really, and this is the beginnings of Jesus' earthly ministry. And from the very outset, the announcement made by his forerunner, the, John the Baptist, he, he, he gives him the title, the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. And that speaks, really, of his mission. The, the Bible tells us Jesus himself uh, in, in the book of Luke, he says, I, have, I come to seek and to save that which was lost. And he comes as the lamb that was going to be the perfect sacrifice for those who are lost. He went to seek you. And Jesus, perhaps this evening, is seeking you. Perhaps there's never been a time, and, and the Bible defines for us those who are lost. There are those who are sinners, those who have transgressed the law, and they've never come to a realization. They've never come to that decision point of turning to the Lord Jesus for their salvation, that's who the Bible defines as lost. And maybe that's you tonight, and I want to tell you that, that, that the Lord Jesus, He is the Lamb of God, 
and He was the one that laid down His life for you and I. And tonight, I want to just talk a little bit about the story here this evening. He comes to the scene, and these two disciples of John the Baptist, and you know, at that point, John the Baptist was the one that everyone was clamoring to. He was, had some following, and yet when he sees the one that, that others and all should be following, he fixes his gaze on him, and he fixes his gaze on Jesus. And suddenly, his two disciples, Andrew and presumably here, the writer of the book, John, the beloved, goes and follows and goes and just wants to seek more about Jesus. And, and they go and, and they follow Him. And uh, finally enough, Jesus turns around and He says, Hey, what do you seek? What seek? It was evident to Jesus that these two were following Him. And, 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 and he, they, they answer simply, where, do you, where are you dwelling? Where, where are you at at the moment? And really what they wanted to do was spend a little bit more time with Jesus. And we read it there earlier that He goes and He really just responds to them with these three words, come and see. They came and saw where He dwelt and interestingly and, and abode with Him that day for it was about the 10th hour and it, it was such a, a, a life-changing event that, that John the writer even records for us the very hour. You ever had a time in your life where you just know where you were at? There may be a, a time in history. You know, for our generation, what that was often we would refer to it as September 11, wasn't it? It just sort of changed the world a little bit and maybe you could recall that time where you were, what you were doing. For some of you, maybe it was the moon landing. I'm not sure. I don't want to presume age tonight, but maybe both. But you understand there's some events that are so important you remember the time, right? For some of you men, that was a good reminder to remember your anniversary is coming up soon. But all of those things, those are life-changing events. And for John, the writer, this was such a life-changing event that he even remembered the very hour. So it's about the 10th hour they dwelt with him. And, and I want you to think about tonight just, just two simple thoughts. I want you to think about Jesus' response. And then I want you to think about their response. And you understand that at this time, it wasn't like John the Baptist was, was just talking to a few. In fact, when we, we search out the Scriptures and we look at all of the different, different uh, Gospels in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we understand that John the Baptist himself, he often had an audience, he often had a crowd around him. And both for the good and for the bad, both those who were uh, followers of him and those who were negative to the things that he was claiming. And the, the, the point is he had those around him, and yet it was only these two. It was only these two that out of all of his followers there, out of all of those that, 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 that John the Baptist was teaching about this Lamb to come, this Savior to come, only two ended up seeking him. Only two got the, got the idea as, as, G, as John the Baptist gazed at the very Lamb of God, Jesus Himself, only two got it. And yet, Jesus was very keen and uh, was uh, not only noticing them, but He was very keen to respond to them, those seekers. You know, we live in a society today that 
if there was any time, and you know, there's, there's only really two times in the, in the society's calendar that there's even such an awareness about Jesus. We know it's Christmas, and often Christmas can become all sorts of things, and, and yet, for me, more importantly, I think Easter time. And, and Easter time, it should be a time for us as Christians to fix our gaze on Jesus, to, to allow the world to see who it is that we're looking at, who it is that we're supposed to be pointing to, and it ought to be a time for us as believers to fix our gaze on the Lord once again. And, and yet we live in a society where th these are the two times, and, and certainly we're in that season now, where they have any kind of interest in religious things. And yet, even a society that somewhat uh, now has secularized this time of the year, there are those perhaps who won't just be part of the crowd, but there will be those who somewhat is seeking. And I want to tell you, it's those who are seeking that Jesus will respond to. It's those tonight who uh, somewhat you've been, your interest has been piqued. Maybe someone has invited you, and I'm glad someone's invited you. Welcome this evening. Or maybe you received something and it sort of just went, well, it's been a while since I've been in church. What, whatever your reason is tonight, I want, to, I want to say if you're seeking, Jesus is seeking you. That actually Jesus is on the lookout for you. That, that just like those two who ended up being some of His disciples, He's asking the same question tonight, what seek ye? What seek ye? And you know, so often I've heard today, and sometimes as Christians we can get on the defensive. And, and you know, a lot of preachers this weekend... They're going to talk about what Easter is not. But I want to talk more about the subject matter of Easter, and that's the Lord Jesus Himself. I'd rather take the time to talk about Jesus and extend that invitation, what seek ye, and then the next invitation was this, come and see. You know, often when I, I speak to people about, uh, about Christianity and they have some questions, they, sometimes I'm involved in different areas of life and they ask me, and I love it when they ask me, what do you do for a living? And I say, I'm a pastor of a church. And, you know, I, I love either the walk back, right, or the, okay, what does that mean? I've never heard of that. And I love to converse about the Christian life, and I love to converse about all things that, 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 uh, that can somehow be an avenue or a gateway to be able to introduce, not the church, but introduce the Lord Jesus. And it's a good thing for us, and to to just talk much and speak much of Christ. And you know what I love to say? I love to tell them, you know, why don't you check it out? Why don't you come on Sunday? Why don't you come and listen to, to, to me preach? Or we've got a guest speaker this week. And I try to, try to invite them because you know what? I want to remind you, uh, church, this evening, there's much to offer in the Christian life. We shouldn't hide it. And, and Jesus here, He saw those who were seeking and He just simply says, come and see. Come and see. And I want you to note Jesus' response to the seeker firstly. And again, he says, come and see. And it's interesting, later on, an angel at the empty tomb says, come, see. And that's going to be the, the message for Sunday, all right? So you've got to come back for that one. But the invitation was given to the two seekers, Andrew and John, the writer. They had sought Jesus 
really on the basis of the declaration of the, their, their, their master, John the Baptist, someone that they had seen really was, a, was the last Old Testament prophet, someone that had come into the scene after 400 years of silence. And now John the Baptist was on the scene and declaring great things, showing great power, showing, showing that, that God was not done with, with His people. And, and here he was declaring who Jesus is. He's the Lamb of God. And now they get the hint. Now they want to see for themselves. And, you know, the truth again is that there were many others there at the water's edge that day. And yet it was only these two, and it was these two, these two seekers who Jesus engaged with. It was these two that Jesus took some time and, and got His attention. And tonight, if you've come here with, with an attitude perhaps that you want to know more or you just want to know a little bit, then I want to tell you you've come to the right place because Jesus seeks you tonight. And in the first place, what we find here in His response to them, this was a response of inspection. You know, before He says, come and see, He says, what seek ye? And what He was doing, it was clarifying and helping them clarify in their own hearts what their motives were for even being there. You know, before they could go any further, Jesus was trying to get them to inspect their own motives. I want to tell you that we're all seeking something. You know, we're all really seeking something. We're, there's inbuilt in us. We're just seekers. We're, we're looking for something. You know, from the very outset, we're looking for some sort of satisfaction. You notice that babies cry? Have you noticed that? You know why? Because they're seeking something. They're seeking to be fed. They're seeking to be changed. And, and, and all, on and on. And, and as we go on in life, there's just something in us that we're just seeking something. And, and even those who are seeking for greater truth about life, and it might be that they conclude there's something that Jesus has to offer, we all, even in that, have differing motives. You know, when you read through the life of Jesus, there were those who were lawyers, there were those who were Pharisees, there were those who were Sadducees, there were those who were part of the, the, um, the high priesthood there, who they had all these different motives about why they wanted to know about Jesus. You remember, even from the beginning when Jesus was born, even Herod had a different motive to those kings that came from the east. And even from the outset of his life, there were those who were seeking him for different reasons. And, and maybe tonight you have different reasons. And, and, you know, you might be seeking Jesus perhaps to solve your problems. Maybe you're seeking him because you've heard somehow that, that there's just some way and something different. Or I don't know what your heart is, but you, you've got a motive. And, and they wanted here, really, they wanted a personal glimpse a greater understanding at least. So they requested, where dwellest thou? And, and that's an interesting response to that. It says, what seek ye? And they answer, where dwellest thou? You know what they were saying? They were saying, is there something more, somewhere more private we can speak? You know, when you invite someone to your house, what you're doing is you, you want to bring them in, right? And, and where they were going at, they were themselves, they understood this, what they were going to ask him and the things that they were going to go through this wasn't just something that they were going to do in the public discourse there. They were just going to seek Him in, their, in the privacy of His own home. And they were also, in turn, wanting to inspect further about Jesus. 
And so they ask where he is living. And there's probably no more greater way to get to know someone than by asking where they live. You know, we had uh, a missions conference recently, and you remember Pastor Gus on that first night, he sort of hinted there was some strange behavior as we had that time together. And he said, you know, you never really know someone until you live with them. All right? And some of you, some of you, you, uh, when you got married, right? They say love is blind, but marriage is an eye-opener. Some of you, you thought something about your significant other, and when you started living together, you understood more, you saw clearer. And there's just something about that. You, you get to know someone by coming into their home, coming into their environment, understanding who they, they're at. And really, Jesus was allowing a bit of inspection on him. You know what, what the Lord Jesus isn't afraid of? He's not afraid of a little bit of inspecting. You know, sometimes when we know we have people coming over, especially at late notice, what do we do? We want to clean up. We want to put some things away. Why? Because we know when we invite someone or if someone comes into our home, there's an inspection. If you've had the pleasure of renting, you know, sometimes every three months there's an inspection. And you want to bet your, put your best foot forward. But you know, when Jesus, there's someone that wants to inspect him, Jesus doesn't panic. There's nothing in Jesus that really those who are seeking will find unsavory. And he's not fearful of that. And so he goes on and his response, then secondly, was not just one of inspection. He also, just really, it's one of invitation. He invites them. He says, come and see. You know, he didn't just give him an address. You know, what we're comfortable with, we're often comfortable with giving our name. Someone asks us, you know, about ourselves. Usually the first thing we tell people isn't our address, is it? Maybe an email these days. Maybe, maybe, a, maybe our first name, and on the odd occasion when we feel very comfortable, we even say our last name, because who can't look up anyone these days, right? And those are usually the, the social barriers and boundaries that we have. And in this time, in this time, they didn't have those formal addresses. And so what Jesus did wasn't just give them an, a, an approximate. Jesus said, come and see. He, he invited them into his, into his world. He said, come on over. And what that response is, it's a response of fellowship. You know what happens when those seekers, they, they want to get to know more about Jesus? Jesus doesn't decline them. He says, no, come and see. He says, come, come a little bit closer. You know, the Bible tells us, draw nigh to God and what? He'll draw nigh to you. He, he's saying, come closer. Yeah, yeah, let me, let me show you who, who, who I really am. Let, let, me, let me invite you in. And, and it's a response of fellowship. And I want to say to you that, that if you're a seeker tonight, you know what his response to you is? He, he wants to draw closer to you. He wants fellowship with you. He, he wants to, to spend the time to, for you to get to know him and and it's more than just an address. Jesus is saying here, in effect, see who I am. I want to tell you that Jesus is inviting you to his place to get to know him. And the reason he came, I want to tell you, is so that you can have a place with him. You know, the, the Bible tells us, look at John chapter 14. Look at John chapter 14. 
And these are some of the most wonderful verses in Scripture in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? You know, it's sort of what they were asking, where do you dwell? And you know what Jesus said? Jesus saith unto him in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know what Jesus did by coming on earth? By laying down his life? By, by being buried in that tomb and then the third day rising again? That was a big invitation for you to spend eternity with him. That was the way. You know, when, when they asked him, where dwellest thou? He didn't, he didn't just ask someone else. He, he didn't point them to the Pharisees. He didn't point them to any other thing. You know what he did? He brought them himself. And I want to tell you that there's no other way to Jesus. The, the religion isn't the way to Jesus. Good works isn't the way to Jesus. The, the, there's no other way. He says, I am the way. And I want to tell you that tonight, if you're looking for for other means to get to God. If you're sensing that, that you need closeness with God, there's no other way. Jesus is the only way. He, he's the only way. He, he was the mediator between God and man. He's the one that, 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 that was the bridge to get you from one, one place where you're away from God to closeness to God. No, the only way is Jesus. And He came. And He willingly laid down His life on the cross and he willingly shed his blood and then he rose again so that you and I can all come and have a place in heaven with him because really that's his abode. And I want to tell you that all of us here at some point needs to recognize that there's no other way. And I remember as a seven-year-old boy, I understood that I was a sinner, that, that, I, that, that there was separation between God and I. I couldn't get to him. I, I knew as a seven-year-old boy that as a sinner, that there was a penalty for my sin. The Bible tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm thankful that someone who had their gaze on Jesus, who was just a faithful witness, it was my grandma, she just had the heart for her seven-year-old grandson to understand that it wasn't religion that was going to get him to heaven. It wasn't going to be his good works that was going to get him to heaven. No, she pointed to Jesus and she said, you know, Jesus loves you. And if you would call on Jesus to save you from your sin, then the Bible tells you that you can be saved. And I remember as a seven-year-old boy just calling out to Jesus. And, and you know, to this day, now 41 this year, I'm still saved. And if I was to die tonight, I would have 100% assurance that I'm going to be in heaven with Him. You know, I received that invitation. And you know, tonight, Jesus' response to the seeker is an invitation. He's inviting you to accept His way of getting into heaven. But you know, this response was one of implication. Because what they, they were seeking for was the Messiah. What they were seeking for was this Lamb of God. And as they came and saw, we see that there in verse 39, 
He said unto them, Come and see. They came and saw. They saw where he lived. They saw and they abode with him that day. They, they had that conversation. They understood who he was. And Jesus' response here will have implications. And you know, many have gone to investigate Jesus and have found him to be true. I want to tell you, and still walked away. They, they still, they, they, they understood there was an implication in following and understanding who Jesus is. And I think about the story of, uh, of Lee Strobel, who was a, a journalist back in the uh, 70s, I believe. And, and this man, he, he and his, his wife at the time were going through some things, and his wife uh, was introduced to a, a church who told her how to be saved. And she had gone and saved and suddenly was quite involved in this, uh, in this church and, and following Jesus. It seemed like her life had totally changed. And of course, as any husband was a bit concerned that, that his wife was changing. And being a journalist, being someone who just had that investigative mind, decided to investigate a little bit more about this Jesus and his claims. So he realized that the, at the very crux of Christianity is this claim that Jesus died, he was buried, and then he rose again. That he took up his own, he, 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 he brought, he came out of the tomb and he was alive again. And so he investigated that, understood that that was a, but you know what he found as he investigated both historically and medically and scientifically, that Jesus did die and that Jesus was buried in the tomb and that because of all of those witnesses at the time, it could be without doubt that he did rise again. You know, Lee Strobel himself came to know Jesus and came to be saved. And I want to tell you that if you would just come with an open mind, what you're going to find is you're going to find that Jesus says, what he says he is, he is. And you, you're going to find that, that all of Jesus' claims are true, but you have a decision at the time because there's an implication. If Jesus says, if Jesus is who he says he is, then you've got to decide, well, he better, you, you better decide that he is Lord. If he's Lord, then that means that he can save you and then he is the master of your life. And that's why many Many people don't ever come to that place because there's an implication there. And you know, they, they understood that and what we see secondly tonight is they have a, they have a response to Him. You know, what, what happened in the life of these two was this, they followed Him. When, when they understood who Jesus was as Lord and Master, as Savior, their response to Him was to follow Him. And the fact that John the Baptist fixed his gaze on Jesus, calls his own disciples to look to Christ. And what a great principle that is, again, for us. Hey, parents, listen, if you want your, your kids to know who Jesus is, fix your gaze on Him. Hey, listen, uh, if you, you're in a ministry, you, you want those you are following you, you want, you want them to know Jesus, fix your eyes on Jesus, and they're going to know. And there they were at the shores there, and and they find Jesus and they follow Him. And what we find there is a response from these seekers that really are indicative for us as God's people who want to seek the Lord ourselves and how we can effectively do so. You see, they followed Him as a result of their beholding Him. And seekers quickly become followers if they are genuine seekers. They're, 
the response firstly was one of assertion. They, they asserted, we have found the Christ in verse 41. They were without doubt that they had found the Christ. This was a response to, again, to Him revealing Himself. They then declared to themselves and those to the, around them that, that they had found Jesus who was indeed the Christ. But then their response was also one of advocacy. Because in verses 41 to 42, what did they do? He first, after following, He first findeth His own brother Simon. And He brought him to Jesus. In verse 43, the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Philip, follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida. And then you know what Philip did? Philip finds Nathanael. And notice what he again asserts. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And, and Nathanael responds, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I think about that because I came from a notorious area in Sydney, Mount Druitt. Can anything good, good come out of Mount Druitt? Some people are still asking that question. But, you know, I think about that and I think about the advocacy now because of the change of life in them. They became advocates of who Jesus is. You see, true, when you're a true seeker and you respond, you don't keep it to yourself. They've got to tell others. You know what the gospel is? It's a beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. You know, too many times we, we're thinking of all of these different strategies to win others. It's just simply this. Who do you know that needs Jesus? That's a good strategy. And there's someone around, and you, you look at all of the, what had taken place here. They just became advocates. But you know what? Their response caused an affinity. And what I'm saying is what Jesus said, they said. Remember what Jesus said right from the beginning? He saith unto them, come and see. You know who else began to say that? Notice here, Philip saith unto him, come and see. You know, if we're going to respond rightly to Jesus, those of us who are believers, we're going to be the ones that will say, come and see. You know who else says that? In a way, it was the woman at the well. In John chapter 4, after Jesus reveals himself to her, the the fountains of living water, after dealing with her about her own need, after going through all of the excuses that she had, you know what she had to admit? Come, see a man. Is not this the Christ? And when your life has been truly affected, then there will be a likeness to what's affected you. You know, we live in a world where it's very visual, we, we get a lot of information. We, we, can, we can look up different information about different people. And you know what we do? We model ourselves on others we admire. There might be a, someone that we admire that we, you know what we do? The natural inclination is we model ourselves after them. And what they've done is they've made an impression on your life. And it could be someone famous. It could be someone that just has been in your life. But they've made an impression, and so we, we, out of admiration for them, we model ourselves. And, and now what happens is you're an impression of them. And I want to tell you that there's too many Christians who are an impression of someone else. But they're not really an impression of Christ. He said, come and see. And you know what Philip did? He says, come and see. The things Jesus said, they began to say. The things Jesus 
was that is who they became. And I wonder tonight if there's any Christians who are true seekers, those who have understood and their lives have been changed. I wonder if there's any of those of us who would just say, I want to be a better impression of the Lord. You know, too many times we as believers, we admire me mortals. You know, we live in such a way and, and we follow and, and we understand there's a place for that. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But the addendum that he made was he was to be a follower of Christ. And I want to tell you tonight, we have a, we have a wonderful Savior to follow. And we ought to, we ought to be so ad, admiring Him that He makes such an impression on our lives that we become a better impression of Him in our day. And you know what Easter needs? You know what this world needs during this time and every day? are Christians who are simply gazing on the Lord so that we can become more like Him. But you know tonight, maybe that's not you. Maybe there's never been a time where you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. And I'm not asking if you could join our church. I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm asking, has there ever been a time where you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Has there ever been a time where you just looked at him and said, you know, as a sinner, I need you as my Savior. And you've turned to him and asked him to save you. And if there's never been a time, you know, tonight would be a wonderful time for you to know that. As a seven-year-old boy, I said it earlier, I understood my need for a Savior. And tonight, I want you to understand that Jesus came to seek and to save you. He seeks you. He invites you to come and see. His invitation today is to see the salvation that only He can offer. And if you're a seeker and you're saved, then behold Him and be changed. Allow His work to be fully accomplished in your life and tell others about Him. Invite others to come and see. And what you'll find is Jesus is all that He says He is. Let's pray. Father, thank You, Lord, for our time this evening. Thank You, dear God, that right from the outset, Lord, Your heart was for others. Your heart was to, Lord, to, to show others who You are and to help them recognize, dear God, that You are indeed the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world. That You're the one that we look to in this time where there's really, Lord, a lack of hope, that you're the only one that can offer us true hope, that it's only through you that we can have eternity saved. I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to recognize your God, Lord, that we are in need, Lord, of you each day, that we need to fix our eyes on you. Maybe tonight that we would just decide that enough of looking elsewhere but that we would come and be an impression of you every head bowed every eye closed we're just going to have a time of invitation for those who are new to our church this is simply a time where we reflect on what the word of god has taught us and we respond we respond by praying and asking god to help us and as the piano plays, everyone's going to have their heads bowed, eyes closed, no one's looking around. I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. And between you, me, and the Lord, I just want to ask you to, to answer honestly. I'm going to ask you this first question. 
If you were to die today, I know that's a scary thought. The Bible tells us to boast not ourselves of tomorrow, for we know not what a day may bring forth. The Bible tells us it is appointed unto man once to die and after this judgment. Maybe you're here this evening and if you were to answer that question, if you were to die today, would you know for sure that your sins are forgiven and heaven's your home? Don't waste that invitation to know Jesus as your Savior tonight. Is there anyone here that would just say, Pastor, pray for me. I can't answer that really tonight. There's never been a time. If I were to die today, I wouldn't know if I would be going to heaven or hell. Is there anyone here just with an honest heart, just say, Pastor, pray for me. Here's my hand. Is there anyone here tonight? Maybe I want to ask you, Christians, how's your seeking? How's your seeking? Are you, could you be confident as you think about your life to say, the Lord's made such an impression on me, and I want to be a better impression of Him? Is there someone here to say, Pastor, pray for me tonight? The Lord spoke to my heart about that. See those hands. Anyone else? See those hands. See those hands. All right, thank you for that. Well, let's all stand to our feet. No one looking around if the Lord spoke to your heart tonight. Particularly if you need to be saved, please don't leave this place without knowing. If the Lord spoke to you, raise your hand this, this evening. Why don't we take our time to pray? The altar's open, and then we'll be dismissed this evening.